Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, Jets fans, and welcome back to the Jets podcast on 247sports.com. Along with Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Well, Nashville was the toast of the town, the big party that's not a Super Bowl, it's the NFL draft. And for the New York Jets, they have drafted from uh, the third pick in the first round, Quinnen Williams, defensive tackle, over at the University of Alabama. Rick, if you want to call it a safe pick, then that's fine. I mean, Josh Allen, Montclair, New Jersey native, probably you've wanted an an edge rusher. He could have been the one that they should have probably gotten. We know the Giants missed missed him big time, which is really uh, strange. But other than that, um, I feel like this is probably a solid pick. It's a great selection for the Jets as they're going to try and beef up the defense, especially that front seven. And you took the words right out of my mouth, Daniel. It was a safe pick. The Jets leading up to the draft, even on draft day, trying to find some uh, trade partners to trade down with at the number three overall selection. I think Mike McCagnin, again, safe is the right word. Quinton Williams was not arguably, but the consensus pick as the all-around top-rated, not only defensive lineman in this draft, but potentially defensive player in this draft. So, he is the proven commodity. He is a guy that, look, does he fit necessarily into the Jets' scheme or their need? I don't necessarily think so. I think that the Jets could have been better suited to, as you mentioned, going after a Josh Allen, taking an edge rusher, even this Ed Oliver, again, a guy that was uh, rumored to be on the Jets' radar as well. I'm not going to say that I think that, again, he's a steady pick. He is the consensus top defensive lineman in the draft. All the scouts, front office personnel are in agreement. But for my money, you know, I would have liked to have seen the Jets trade down. I think they ultimately, again, could have could have uh, got a King's ransom, especially from a team like the Washington Redskins, who after, uh, of course, uh, Haskins at the quarterback position, I think they could have commanded uh, a first and a second round this year and a first and a second round next year. But obviously, I think Mike McCagnin, look, he didn't want to make any type of decision that could potentially cost him his job. He didn't want to uh, trade down and pass up on a guy like Quinton Williams. He didn't want to maybe even take a risk on a guy like Ed Oliver or a Josh Allen. He wanted the sure bet, surefire guy that would help upgrade this defensive line. And I think Greg Williams now will have another toy to play with on the defensive side of the ball. But if you look at the Jets and their history of first-round draft picks, I mean, it seems that year in and year out, whether it was under Rex Ryan even under Todd Bowles, and now, of course, under Adam Gase, it seemed like time and time again the Jets were always going for defensive uh, defensive linemen, specifically the five out of the last ten drafts they've selected a defensive lineman in the first round. So I understand why there's some, uh, there's some criticism for this pick, but overall, again, it's the safe pick, and you would just hope that the Jets make the most of some of their uh, later-round draft picks this year that could hopefully turn into impactful starters in 2020. Well, you know what? This is a situation right now for the New York Jets where, you know, you don't have a second-round pick in this draft because you gave it away to the Indianapolis Colts for the Sam Darnold uh, selection last year and trading up to go from 6-3. to three. Obviously, they had to make that deal. They had to make that deal to get that quarterback, that franchise quarterback that they needed to begin a brand new era for the New York Jets. And 
you know, when you are going to make that selection on a player that either you feel comfortable with, a player that you believe is going to be a big playmaker on defense or offense, it doesn't matter. You have to go out and get that guy. And, you know, the, Mike McCagnin felt he got that guy in Quinnen Williams. Now, um, to me, you know, this guy seems to be like, you know, nice big teddy bear, you know, probably to uh, friends and family. But, you know, when he's on the field, he wants to put you into the ground. I mean, this is a guy that definitely is going to play some smash-mouth football and maybe under Greg Williams that uh, he'll be able to do so when he gets over to uh, Florham Park. And look, again, I mean, you want to look at the history of Alabama college football products coming out of that school. I mean, they're as surefire as they can be. I mean, look no further than C.J. Mosley at the inside linebacker position, a former Alabama Crimson Tide alumni. Even uh, even Quentin Williams himself said that he's going to lean heavily on C.J. Mosley, who – frankly, as their prized free agent signing, has ultimately and immediately become the leader of that defense. So they have that Crimson Tide connection. Uh, hopefully, Quentin Williams seems like a guy that's very coachable. He, he said he's going to lean heavily on the veterans on this team to bring him up to speed. And again, I don't have any issues as far as the intangible side. I think that he certainly is a, a player that has the raw athleticism, has an understanding for the game, has a love for the game. I don't doubt any of that. My questions remain the actual system fit, the fact that the Jets really now, you look on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Leonard Williams isn't exactly a speed burner at the outside uh, defensive end position. They have a great deal of size. They don't necessarily have speed. I don't know whether they're going to try to address that in, as you mentioned, no second-round pick, maybe in the later rounds, or uh, you know, via free agency or the waiver wire. But the reality is that, I think the Jets have to be overall happy. If I were to give this draft pick a grade, I would give it a B plus. And the reason I wouldn't give them an A minus or an A is because this was basically you could have put the Jets draft in autopilot, and this is what the selection would have been. You would have, I would have preferred to see Mike McCagnin get a little creative, try to find some ways to stockpile draft picks because I get it. They they right now are entering Sam Darnold's second year. They're not necessarily in a full rebuild. They're kind of turning that corner, but. I mean, as you see, of course, up the way in Foxborough, what the Patriots have made a habit of trading down and just basically stockpiling those middle, those second, those third, those fourth-round draft choices because, again, this was a draft that you had some electric players, but overall, once you got outside the top ten, there wasn't a heck of a lot deciphering the guys from 11 to 32 as opposed to 33 to 61. So, uh, this is a again. We're not going to find out what Quinn Williams' impact is going to be right from day one, but ultimately, I think that Mike McCagnin took the safe route. He was conservative. He wants to stay the course with this team, and I'm just interested to see how Greg Williams is going to fit him into his system, especially because the one knock I would have on Quinn Williams at his size and stature, of course, 300 pounds, he doesn't have the versatility. They can't plug and play him at different positions. He claims that he's a three-down lineman. He was maybe in college. I think he still has to prove that on the NFL level. And if he can certainly do that, then he's, of course, deserving of the number three overall pick by the Jets. Uh And this is from uh, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, of course, NFL.com. Every single game he played, Williams was the most dominant player on the field when he played for Alabama. This is a home run for the Jets as they have selected the best player in the draft. Even with double and triple teams, he finds a way to get through. Now, watching some of the film... 
from the draft last night in the first round. Um, I was impressed with his burst coming off of the line of scrimmage, of course, attacking the opposition's offense where, you know, you try to go to his left and he would follow you straight to that spot and he would just tackle down the running back or at least any offensive player that was trying to go after him. So while I do agree with you, Rick, that, you know, maybe he's not going to be an every down back here in the NFL, even though he looked the part in college. Once again, we we always talk about, you know, how are you going to make that transition from the college game into the professional game, and the only player who had plenty of potential and the only player who showed plenty of not just potential but disappointment, we have to go all the way back to the running back, Blair Thomas, 1990 draft, the second pick uh, of the first round. To me, we can't have another Blair Thomas uh, coming over to the Jets because, once again, he may have been a great college running back and you know nothing against the college game, but once again, we can't have a player that, oh, he was great in college, but can he look great playing in the NFL? And that's the number one question. And I hope Jet fans can understand, based on recent draft history, I mean, whether you want to go down the line, Quinton Copels, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, even back to the days of John Abraham, the first three names that I mentioned are no longer on the Jets roster, and frankly, didn't exactly have a happy ending in New York, and they were drafted by defensive coaches, uh, obviously Rex Ryan and Todd Bowles, respectively. They weren't a perfect system fit. You know, in the case of Muhammad Wilkerson, he did have a couple of Pro Bowl years, but fizzed out once he got the big contract. So, you know, there has to be something to be said for a Jet franchise that has made a habit of selecting these defensive linemen that they have very high hopes for, and they just never live up to that expectation. I think... My concern for Quinton Williams is at the college level, of course, you know, him towing 300 pounds, he's a man amongst boys, and he's able to manhandle some of those offensive linemen. He's able to command the double team and shed a double team and even get a a running back to try to chip block him to keep him out of the backfield. This is a whole new ball game when you're talking about the NFL. I mean, you have linemen 6'6", 350 pounds that are going to outsize, outmuscle, outpower Quinton Williams. I've heard some comparisons to the Dominican Sioux, Aaron Donald, even a, a Damon Snacks Harrison going back to his days with the Jets. And, again, I think he's a player that still needs even at 300 pounds. He is obviously above average for size for a defensive lineman. But, you know, he's not a, an Aaron Donald 320, 350-pound lineman or a Dominican Sue. If he wants to get to that level of ferocity and that level of commanding a double team and just overwhelming an offensive lineman, he still has to improve in the strength area. And if he's going to be a one-trick pony, he's going to be a a specialty type of interior lineman that just destroys the offensive line's front, he's going to have to improve significantly in that regard. So for me, again, he was able to dominate the college game. He certainly got after the quarterback and single-handedly ruined certain games. I don't see that happening from day one in the NFL. I think that he's going to be in for somewhat of a rude awakening, I'm not going to say that he's going to fall on his face and and he's not going to develop into a great player, but there's going to be an adjustment period because when he he has to rely on his technique, he can't necessarily now overwhelm an offensive lineman that's as strong, if not stronger than him. He's going to have to lean heavily on his technique. He's going to have to study game film. He's going to have to do all the little things that maybe in college and maybe he overlooked a little bit because he was, quote-unquote, a man amongst boys, and you'd hope that he's willing to put in that extra work to be able to be a guy that the Jets can count on and be a franchise-type 
interior lineman for years to come. And that's the hope, Rick, is that you know he can uh, understand what he what is needed of him, and that he can go out there and perform at the highest level and show why he was the first round pick of the New York Jets. Um, outside of that, and obviously tonight starts rounds two and three for the NFL draft over in Nashville. And let's just once again review the amount of picks they have now. Though once again they've already chosen Quinn and Williams with the third pick of the first round. They have no second round pick because of the Sam Darnold draft day trade. Round three, they have the 68th and the 93rd overall pick, and that pick, the 93rd overall, is from the Saints. One fourth round pick, the 105th overall. Two picks, uh, number 196th overall. I'm sorry, one pick, excuse me, uh, 196th overall from the Oakland Raiders, originally from the Chicago Bears. And then in round seven, they have uh, the 217th overall pick in round seven of the NFL draft. So basically, the Jets still have an opportunity here to, if you want to say make a splash, go ahead. But the truth is, I don't know uh, how much of a splash they can make with whatever is left over. Yeah, again, so the Jets not having, of course, in that trade that landed them Sam Darnold at number three overall, trading up for number six, uh, of course, the Colts taking Quentin Nelson, who's going to be a longtime offensive lineman for Indianapolis. He's going to be a decade-long, almost like a Nick Mangle type of the guard position, type of mainstay and cornerstone player in that franchise. The Jets and Colts certainly made out well in each of their respective regards, but the Jets, of course, having to part with that second-round pick, again, that, that to me is going to be the big thing to watch. You know, I really felt like a, a player in DK Metcalf. I felt if the Jets were able to trade down for, uh, with the Redskins at number six overall, I'm sorry, number three overall, trade down with the Redskins and potentially pick up a second-round pick, I really felt like a guy like DK Metcalf out of Ole Miss a player that he suffered a really bad neck injury that shortened his season last year. He was on a record-breaking pace in the college level. Is going to set all sorts of old Miss school records. And a guy that, you know, a lot of teams may be scared off on because of the injury and, you know, doesn't have the proven track record. He's only a sophomore. I think the Jets would have had an absolute steal in DK Metcalf and a guy that looks to be going in the second round. And now because – of course, the trade for Sam Darnold, which nobody's going to hesitate or, or you know, say that they think that was a mistake. And because of the fact that Mike McCagnan refused to trade down and potentially pick up a second-round pick, I don't think a guy like that's necessarily going to be on the board. And I, I've gone on record, Daniel, saying I think that this Jets wide receiver corps, I, I think from a injury standpoint, I think they're pretty vulnerable. I, I don't trust Quincy Anunua to be on the field and healthy and productive playing 16 games. I don't trust Robbie Anderson to make the right choices off the field. He hasn't shown me to be the mature type and the kind of guy that's going to be uh, not even a leader, but just a consummate professional has failed to show that, you know, you don't know the, the, the future of uh, Jermaine curse on the team. And again, I think the jets could have really taken a high risk, high reward player in that second round in DK Metcalf. But now because they don't have that second round pick, in all likelihood, you're going to have to see another team uh, basically take a flyer on him, and who knows, he could uh, evolve into a top-wide receiver in the league. But unfortunately for the Jets, they're not going to have the opportunity to coach him and have him on the roster. 
Well, we'll see what happens if the Jets can find a way to make a trade. I know I heard Darren Lee was being rumored uh, possible trade bait in the draft. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen there. But uh, until then, obviously, the New York Jets, they got their first rounder in Quinn Williams as he is going to become uh, now the, the top pick for the New York Jets in the first round. Before we move on, Rick, I wanted your opinion on something. And, you know, I have to say that did you feel that this NFL draft was more than just a party? I mean, it's great to see what, you know, how this draft has transformed into a huge gathering. And to be honest with you, I thought maybe... They might have it at the Bridgestone Arena. Obviously, they have the Nashville Predators of the National Hockey League. I don't know if they were still going to have their playoffs then, but still, though, um, to have it outside on the main streets of Nashville, Tennessee, Rick, that is something I didn't even expect that was going to happen. The NFL has hit a home run. It is wonderful to see the NFL actually showing that, you know, they know how to throw a party. They know how to throw a party. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Everyone, you know, invited and everything. And I I have to admit, I got to say that the NFL did this the right way. They were absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, you know, you wonder if the draft ever comes back to New York City that maybe – they won't have it at Radio City Music Hall. They might have it in Times Square. And look, I've been the big, biggest critic of Roger Goodell. I mean, he has not, in my estimation, been one of the better commissioners. Just forget about football, but at all sports. But you have to give credit where credit is due. And I think by the NFL a few seasons back making the decision to rotate this NFL draft among several different key cities – I think it was a brilliant marketing move, a brilliant PR move, and for them to be in Nashville, the home of our 247 Sports family, uh, special shout-out to Alan Bell and all the 247 Sports staff that have worked out of that office and, of course, uh, supporting the, the great sites that we write for. I think it was fantastic to give a city like that, which Tennessee, you know, again, in the South, really a hotbed for college football, so having a professional franchise in Tennessee, blending that with the knowledge that uh, a lot of the people have of the college football game and all the college football stars that came out for that event, I think it was absolutely a fantastic thing. And the the NFL, which, of course, uh, you know, has somewhat of a regional sport, but it's also national and global, I think the idea of just basically doing this NFL draft tour from city to city to city year by year is only going to recruit new fans. It's going to draw interest, and you said it, Daniel. I mean, this this was not a, uh, a situation where you had hired actors that were paid to to show they're having a good time. This was genuine football fans in seeing the NFL draft live unfolding before their very eyes with some of the stars' brightest, uh, with some of the game's brightest young stars trying to enter the the professional realm. I mean, this is uh, something that, again, for many years, and probably older generations can attest to this, that every year at Radio City Music Hall, fans in L.A., fans in Chicago, fans in Nashville would never have the opportunity to see an event like this. And now because of the NFL scheduling this to rotate on a year-in-year basis, I think it's a great thing for the game, and I think it's a great thing to reach new fans that 
maybe wouldn't have an opportunity to take in this kind of game, this kind of spectacle, because again, it was fantastic. And especially if you're a Jet and Giant fans to have both teams, of course, with underwhelming years last year for them to both to have top 10, almost top five picks that just added to the excitement, especially in this area. No, it really has. And it's just been wonderful to, uh, to uh, watch this happen. Obviously, Dallas was pretty cool being over at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Of course, Philadelphia uh, showing, showing up for the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, how many times people have to uh, fly over, <coughs> pardon me, or drive over to go check out the draft. And uh, so far, I think Roger Goodell has done a wonderful job. And, of course, let's also not forget, congratulations to the gentleman who is the New York football Giants fan as he has won 100 consecutive seasons uh, with free season tickets. You know, that would be something special, wouldn't it, to have uh, 100 straight years to have season tickets to uh, the New York Jets, you know? I I thought it was uh, very, very nice uh, for the NFL to uh, have this contest. It's just, uh, it's a New York Giant fan, but that's okay. Look, you know, his name got picked. And he deserves to uh, have at least uh, a moment of glory, even though it looks like the New York Giants did not do their job drafting this year. Look, let's hope for that 100-year season ticket package that he's not watching Eli Manning for 99 of those 100 years because that seems, just to quickly touch on the Giants, for them to take Daniel Jones, the number six overall pick out of Duke, a guy that really you look across scouts and talent evaluators – was hardly in the top three or even top five quarterback um, quarterback talents in the draft. For them to take him six overall was uh, was very surprising, to say the least. And, again, I think that Eli Manning, his obviously days are numbered because any time, and we saw this in Mark Sanchez, I believe, the number five overall pick, any time you take a quarterback within that top ten, the expectation from the fan base, from the front office, from ownership, the coaching staff on down, is that player is going to be – a franchise-type player, but their general manager, Dave Gettleman, said he's going to sit for two or three years, which uh, and alluded to that Green Bay Packer model of taking Aaron Rodgers and having him sit behind Brett Favre. Uh, again, that to me is not really a proven model for success, but we'll have to wait and see. But it's funny because the Jets, over how many years, all the draft duds and how many how many players they swung and missed on over the years, and now things have come full circle because even Mike Francesa, our friend over at WFN Radio is saying that the Giants now, not the Jets, the Giants are the, the perennial losers, the chronic losers. They're making all the wrong decisions, all the poor drafting and poor personnel decisions. And as a Jet fan, it has to be somewhat refreshing and somewhat of a relief instead of the Jets being the punching bag of the New York media, uh, that the Giants have willfully stepped in and taken that role as the as the downtrodden franchise, the downtrodden football franchise in the New York area. Well, of course it does, because sooner rather than later, things are going to have to get you know straightened out over here, Rick, and hopefully uh, we'll see what happens uh, moving forward after the draft. Now, that's an excellent segue into this next article. Apparently, uh, this article was written by Jared Dubin from CBSSports.com. And the report originally came from Mr. Um, let me just make sure that uh, I get it correctly. This is from originally from Michael Lombardi of The Athletic. 
Mike McCagnin, Rick, is officially on the hot seat. And here is the quote. I hear that all is not well in New York Jets land about their scouting operation. General Manager Mike McCagnin is on the hot seat internally. And many in the league expect changes in the Jets front office after the draft. Stay tuned. Now, while Mike McCagnin is internally on the hot seat, shouldn't he have been, you know, sent away at the same time that Todd Bowles was sent away? Shouldn't the Jets have started to look for a new general manager and then bring over a head coach? To me, this smells of, you know, McCagnin is in deep trouble here. And once again, this is Chris Johnson now. This is not Woody Johnson. This is Chris Johnson, who has officially went, you know, I'm going to keep my general manager and get rid of the head coach so my general general manager can hire a brand new guy. Instead, what's going to happen is the guy he kept, He's going to probably fire him or, you know, he's probably going to make some changes now. And the truth is, the general manager should have been gone along with the head coach before we got to free agent frenzy. It it, it just boggles the mind that the Johnson family is just doing things in reverse for no apparent reason. And we talked about letting the football people make the football decisions. And, you know, as soon as Christopher Johnson during that press conference basically said Adam Gase was going to have his say on personnel as well as uh, evaluating players, but really that Christopher Johnson, who knows nothing about football, was going to be actively involved with Mike McCagnin in the scouting and pre-draft process, that to me was automatically a red flag. And as I mentioned with the New York Jets taking Quinton Williams, felt like it's a safe bet. It really did feel like McCagnin was just basically following protocol, whether it was a directive on down from ownership, whether he's reading the same mock drafts that we are about Quentin Williams and just trying to go with the safe bet to make, to keep his chair not at the top. There'll be changes to the Jets' front office. I think what he's alluding to is maybe the structure of the scouting department and maybe a shakeup under McCagnin, not necessarily McCagnin's uh, job per se leading up to the season. But, again, we're going to have to wait and see. I think that McCagnin, depending on how this draft plays out, how the team performs this upcoming year, you know, if this, this is another 6-10, and 5-11 and 11 season, I don't see any reason for why the Jets would bring back Mike McCagnin. But for ownership and Christopher Johnson specifically to be that actively involved in football decisions, even if you don't trust Mike McCagnin to make the right move, I think most Jet fans would trust him and his staff a heck of a lot more than Christopher Johnson. And that, that to me, the power structure within the Jets organization is what alarms me the most, is that you have an owner that's meddling in these type of decisions when he really has no knowledge, expertise, or experience with drafting the proper players. Uh, I would even give Woody Johnson a leg up on Christopher Johnson just because of you know, his uh, being close to drafts over the years, etc., Christopher Johnson is relatively new on the scene, and for him to kind of uh, impose his will on this scouting department and as well as on the general manager, to me, seems a bit curious, and I think it's counterproductive to what the Jets want to do moving forward. Absolutely, Rick, and that's the one thing that's bothering me right now is that, look, it's either you're going to go all in with Mike McCagnin, or you should have gotten rid of him 
when you sent Todd Bowles out the door. Um, it's just a very questionable move, very, very questionable move, uh, that all of a sudden now you're going to keep him and possibly if you're not going to change him but you're going to change the other staff and you're saying he's on the hot seat, well, you know what? That means that this draft is Quinn and Williams the right guy in the first round or should he have taken Josh Allen because you definitely needed an edge rusher. They decided to go with the safe pick. Who knows who else is available now in the third round, fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh. But once again, Rick, questionable moves could be made here once again by the Jets. As you've already said, the Giants are now the new laughing stock of the NFL, and the Jets are riding the ship. Can they keep riding the ship? And I think that's the number one question here, Rick. Certainly is. And again, for a general manager like Mike McCagnin, look, the Jets shouldn't have gone halfway. If, if they had any question about McCagnin's ability to scout and draft players, if they had concerns about the structure of the scouting department, those should have all been addressed this offseason. Or frankly, as you mentioned, they, they should have made a clean break when they fired Todd Bowles, who of course was brought in when the same search firm, that corn and fairy search firm, when they hired Todd Bowles and they brought in Mike McCagnin. They should have both been cut loose and the Jets should have started from scratch and brought in their guy. But when you have a general manager who basically is handcuffed to his desk and basically either fearing for his job and making decisions out of fear or being forced into certain decisions, to me that that's not a recipe at all for success. So you're going to have to keep a close eye on that, how these later rounds play out with uh, Mike McCagnin. But, again, winning cures all if the Jets are able to slip into a wild-card spot and get over 500. I think a lot of people will forget about some of Mike McCagnin's shortcomings, and you can only hope – that Christopher Johnson just takes enough of a back seat to allow the football people to make the football decisions and for people to do their job. That's right, Rick, and let's hope they make that. Uh, let's hope that the football people will, uh, you know, make those proper decisions. Real quick, uh, the Jets are looking to make a trade in the second round, so we'll see what happens uh, when we, uh, if there will be a second round pick. But this will do it for our special. Uh, Draft show, first-round pick review. Once again, it's Quinn Williams, defensive tackle, coming out of the University of Alabama. So we'll see what the Jets will do in the remaining rounds of the draft. And then on Monday, we will review the whole damn thing. For Rick Lachlan, I'm Daniel Foyer. This has been the Jets podcast on 247sports.com through blogtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye for now.